your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solo. All right, welcome to uh, Thursday. Thursday, oh yeah, it's Thursday. One more day. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk and text line. We've got another mayoral candidate on the ballot. I feel like we can. It's going to be too many to count at some point. We at one point, a couple. Oh, now I forget what year it is. We've had fourteen at one point for an open seat. The last time Mayor Cabot ran unopposed, we had ten. The mayor page is down right now. The like city elections page. So anyone from the city, if you're listening, your your page is down. I feel like they're updating it. Click information. Maybe this is there's a scroller. What's the scroller doing? But uh, I feel like they're maybe updating it. So we, we've had a couple of candidates declare in the last 24 hours. Vicky Markison and um, and then an 18 year old whose name escapes me at this very moment. What's his name? Samuel Schneider. So he declared, and he kind of did it. You know, everyone else is, yeah, we're going to declare and let people know, send out an email. Well, Sam went down to City Hall and had a press briefing. The 18-year-old is doing it better than anyone else. Jessica Olson declared way too early. Martin Gall sent a sent an email. Well, he replied to an email. Uh, I'm not even sure how Martin Gall declared. <laughs> he just ended up on the list. Mitch texted me. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had him on the show five days later. And uh, Vicky posted on Facebook. And yeah, Sam Sam Schneider, the 18-year-old's doing it, doing it the best right now. He's showing everybody else up. So I guess he's going to win. <laughs> 608 is the talk and text line. Ken Gilliam, the Crossfire Chief's going to come on. So number three, get ready. Because Ken, you got questions for Ken about your... About how much your lot costs, how much your the city values your lot, and the fire stations paying top dollar for lots so they can put fire stations every block of the city. Hey, that'll be everybody will be safe. We have a fire station on every block. I mean, geez, and then we could hire a lot of fire, a lot of jobs. Could have hired a lot of firemen. Have a one fireman per block. Give him a big hose, but we could ask Ken about. A lot of there's a lot of fire station news, but then, um, you know, there's some other things going on. It's it's gonna snow here pretty quick, so we could bring back <laughs> flamethrower. Does Ken have safety tips for us if we want to flamethrow the our driveway instead of shoveling it? I mean, we got to get to a point in society where we're not using, where we're not having the you know manual labor of shoveling anymore. I have a hundred yard driveway. If I could flamethrow it, that would be great. Maybe a heated driveway. Maybe that would be easier. Some kind of like fire comes up from under underneath the driveway, like Lambo, something like that. We we should all have that. Uh, we're we're and we're a week away from Christmas Eve, so this weekend, like you know, it's too late to. It's probably too late to get stuff shipped, even Amazon Prime. Although we're, we probably shouldn't be using Amazon right now because Jeff Bezos is is raking in all the billions of dollars because everyone's at home and the only way they want to shop is on Amazon. Uh, but we're a week away from Christmas Eve. So maybe we'll find out if Kem Gilliam's got his shopping done as well. I do not. Where am I at? I'm trying to think. I have. I definitely have my nephews shop for because they're boys and I'm a boy. And I know exactly what 18 and 16-year-old boys want for Christmas. 
Uh, that's not hard. And also, you just ask them, hey, what do you want for Christmas? Because they're going to tell you, and it's going to be that's the easiest way. When you ask your dad, hey, what do you want for Christmas? Not as easy. It's not, a, and then that's not as fun either. You kind of, when it comes to your parents, stuff like that, you, you want to like do the best, right? Without having to just ask them, right? You kind of, you want to get them something that they were like, whoa, I can't believe you. But also, when it comes to my dad, he kind of has every tool in the shed, literally and figuratively, and multiple of the multiple of every tool. And in fact, the guest room at our house is also full of tools. I'm not even kidding. The, there's a dresser in our guest room. It's full of tools. The closet in the guest room, full of tools, brand new tools. Sometimes I just go in there and take one. <laughs> and I don't tell him. Although, if I told him, he wouldn't care anyway. Uh, libertarian guy's texting in. He says he's ready for the show. Um, Phil texts in. Vicky Markison, there's someone who really can toss a word salad. Democrats finally found their mayor ca- candidate. Uh, another texter said, Vicky is awesome. Check out our work at the chamber. So uh, two people love Vicky. Phil loves Vicky, it sounds like. And another texter says, I'm picking up the station north of Wausau. That's awesome. It's It might be easier to listen on the Wisdom app, though, if you want to do that. Download the Wisdom app, hit play. In fact, anyone that's listening to the Wisdom app, just text me some feedback how it sounds. I know there's a little bit of a delay, but you don't need to hear the show live, live anyway. It's not like it's not like you're going to miss the touchdown. So when you watch the Packer game live, or you know, I the, the way I watch Packer games, I kind of watch, I, I roll it back a little bit so I could skip the commercials. But then my phone's right there, and I'd be like, "Oh, Devonte Adams touchdown! Darn it!" So I have to throw my phone away. And uh, I know the the last time I <laughs> watched like the national championship or something with my friend Andrew, and he did not throw his phone away, and then he kept telling me everything that happened down the stretch, and then I grabbed his phone and I threw it on the ground. Back when we could hang out with friends, remember those times? All right, we're gonna take a quick break. Brad's got to do the news. So not so quick because Brad's got to do the news. So a little bit of a break, then some news, a little bit of a break. We're going to come back with Ken Gilliam, the fire chief. If you've got questions for him, 608-785-7914. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Oh, there we go. I was waiting for, I don't know what the beginning of that was. I just wanted the rocking around part. Ken Gilliam's joining us. Ken, do you have like a favorite Christmas song? Oh, they're all pretty good. Are you the, you're, I don't know. Are you, that's a tough one, man, right out of the shoot. I'm not sure. <laughs> that's, the, that's the toughest question you're going to get today. You stumped me. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> Let's get to, get to something more right down your in your alley, like a fire stuff or... Um, yeah, I, I'm an old school Christmas song guy, so I, I, I tell the story a lot. But like growing up, I hated when my grandpa played all the stupid old Christmas songs while we drove to family Christmas. And now that's all I remember is riding with my grandpa listening to old Christmas songs. Bing Crosby comes on, you're probably weeping like a baby. <laughs> I know. No, it's not quite like that. But yeah, I, I, I do. I do. Bing, that's the first one I just type in is Bing and then Andy Williams and then. Uh, and then I have to like, there, yeah. then I have to think a little bit more. A Christmas shopping done? Have you got that all done? How, how, what's a fire chief get there? Uh, get everyone for Christmas? I am incredibly fortunate. I have uh, the chief procurement officer, Mrs. Gilliam, that handles most of that for me. I just have to take care of her, and uh, 
she probably isn't listening right now. Probably okay. is, but I, uh, she knows I usually go on Christmas Eve or something. So it, it pulls together, but that's exactly. I got a good life. That's exactly what my little brother does. He he. <laughs> Christmas Eve, he's texting me, what do you want? And I'm like, well, I hope they got it, whatever store is open that you're at yeah. on Christmas Eve. It, and I'll take this as an opportunity for, you know, love to Mrs. Gilliam. She she deserves more than I, uh, I ever do. So, <laughs> um, All right. And then, uh, you know, can we just get this? The, you you guys do the wreath thing every day. Do you want to describe what that is? I know, uh, like, the keep the wreath green, essentially. Um, have we kept it green so far? Uh, no, there's a couple red light bulbs on there, uh, and yeah, that's been going on. Uh, there's a number of departments in the county that uh, participate in that on uh, every time. Uh, and uh, I'm not specific on the dates right now. You, you kind of caught me on that one, but over kind of the, the uh, holiday season here, anytime there's a fire, it adds a red uh, bulb to the uh, wreath. I think we're, I want to say we're at uh, a couple or three right now. It's been kind of a crazy week, and uh, I probably should know better, but I will know the time I bump into you. <laughs> Sorry, I, I did. I did. If you drive by uh, like Station Three over in Lozy, there's a wreath there. You can uh, you can count the bulbs. Now, say hi to the folk. The thing with the can you can you explain the wreath thing to me? Because my my thing is uh, we should just we should keep the wreath green year long. Like we shouldn't we we should always be striving to not have fires. So why why the emphasis during Christmas? Is it because is it because we have a tree in the house with lights and stuff, or is there a, is there a reason for more emphasis on trying not to set fires in December to your well, stuff? Yeah, certainly the the wreath is a tie to the holiday season, and it goes back a long way. I think more importantly, uh, the month of December has um, some pretty terrible statistics on loss of life, uh, firefighter fatalities and injuries. Uh, we tend to see an uptick, and you know, I, I think. Uh, it comes along with uh, with the cold season and people starting to use creative heating methods and, and different things that start to happen as uh, as we move into the winter months. Uh, but as you kind of look back over the history of the fire service, um, there's there's always an uptick. Um, I'm I'm pretty good with reminding our folks right around the beginning of December to uh, just kind of tune into history and, and look at some of the those statistics so that we can learn from them. And uh, that, that's really the reason behind the wreath. You know, they, we start. Uh, bringing dead trees into our homes, wrapping them in electrical cords, uh, using heating tape on pipes underneath uh, foundations and everything. And, and uh, you know, good human beings that we are, every once in a while we, uh, we tend to set a few more fires in the wintertime than during the summer. All right. Yeah, that, and that makes sense. And I mean, if you watch Christmas Vacation, uh, there's a perfect example of setting the entire living room on fire as the cat chews through the electrical cord. That's a pretty good vote for best movie, though. There's a couple other ones, but that's a good one. Yeah, do you have, like, a top three Christmas movie? Because mine's Elf, Christmas Vacation, and Home Alone. Yeah, those are pretty good. Uh, nah, I don't know. Man. I, I don't watch much TV. <laughs> you don't watch? You don't have a top three? You're terrible at this. You're terrible at these questions that aren't, have nothing to do with uh, fire stations. Yeah, stuff. no. If, if, you know, if we want to do 80s rock trivia or something, I might be able to survive. <laughs> but uh, I'm not... I've, I've kind of drawn the curmudgeon line on social media, and I'm, I'm usually too busy to watch TV, but uh, I sneak in one every once in a while. I mean, that, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it, abandoning TV and social media are, are probably attributes that are, you know, thought thought well upon. Um, all right, so what do you want to get into first? There's, there's uh, you know, we... we before the show, we kind of made fun of 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 myself and number three complaining that you're buying up city lots to build a. Is it the North Side <laughs> Fire Station? Is is that the one that we're really focused on right now? And in, in in terms of like, we, we we're just buying land around it to to rebuild or build up that station. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think uh, the the comment that uh, triggered my call to you was that uh, you know if times are getting tough, hopefully you live near a fire station so we can buy you out. 
Uh, we are done with our property acquisition for uh, the foreseeable future here. So kind of what's happened um, when I first got here, I was, I was given a pretty daunting task of uh, looking at replacing several fire stations, but also building a fifth. And uh, over my time here, we've, we've worked really hard at, at securing a piece of property down on the south end of town uh, at the 33rd and Mormon Cooley. I think everybody's been aware of that story. Uh, coming up the map as you hit Station 3, um, we've uh, been engaged with the new owners of the Kmart property to look and see if there's some sort of public-private uh, opportunities there with that development site. Otherwise, our current station is uh, in, in kind of the same location. You know, those are, those are a couple blocks apart. So if, uh, if something kind of groovy happened uh, where we could incorporate a new fire station a few years from now into that, uh, into that old Kmart lot and, and have something else incorporated with us, that would be wonderful. Uh, otherwise, uh, we did purchase one house next to the fire station uh, across from Central there that uh, eventually we would be able to expand, uh, add on a couple bays, and, and uh, take some heat off of one of our other stations that's bursting at the seams. So that's kind of what's going on down on the south end. As you go up to the north side, which has been uh, the one that's been a little bit more apparent here this month on the council docket, uh, we've purchased um, seven pieces of property around the existing fire station. Uh, we were uh, we were talking to those folks back in the spring, and then COVID happened, and we kind of tapped the brakes. Uh, we were with the economy and everything. We were looking at a few other sites up on the north end, but where our current fire station up there is at um, is is really an optimal location for where we need to be, and we already own the footprint there. So uh, one of the challenges, though, is we need to build a new fire station to keep the old one in existence for a year and keep us operational on the north side. So we did end up buying um, seven pieces of property, and we're going to be co-locating the uh, north side police uh, station, police station number two, as well as fire station number four into a joint facility there. Uh, we're going to have a community room and, and some added, uh, additional value to the uh, the community there as well for the north side groups that uh, need meeting space and things. So. Uh, we've got through the property acquisition, and that's all. The dust is kind of settling there. Uh, we're moving into uh, further design and, and site analysis there now, and we, we should have some uh, more clear information out to the community and the neighborhood groups up there uh, probably after the beginning of the year into January and February and what that's going to kind of turn into. But very cool project. It's replacing an, uh, a station that's over 80 years old that's uh, ripe full of problems, and uh, we're looking forward to getting some new bricks up there on the north side. All right. I don't know if you're falling away from your phone, but I'll just warn you. It's getting a you, you were you, you you're fading Uh-oh. out there a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, we don't want to hear you anyway. <laughs> no, I just can't. Yeah, I know. Um, all right. So when you're building a new fire station, you mentioned community room co-hosting with the police when when this is all said and done. If, obviously, firefighters live there for a t- I think a 24 hour shift. So you guys essentially that's your second home. Um, what what kind of uh, anemones do you have in there? Ping pong table, pool table, like stuff, weight room? Do you, what, what kind of things do you do you guys have in there that uh, you could just throw these in the community room too? Yeah, no, I, I think um, as you look at new station design, uh, we do work long shifts. Um, the, that 24-hour shift is the equivalent of three eight-hour work periods. And, uh, you know, as we stack them together, uh, it's having the firefighters in the station 24-7. And as, as the occupation has developed over 150, 200 years, uh, very common for municipal departments to be uh, sleeping at night or trying to at least get some sleep in the night just to cut that response time down and get out, get out the door of the fire station within a minute of an alarm call going off. Um, with that, the new station design is going to be really cool. Um, much better space on the apparatus floors. Uh, for equipment and training and storage. And then as you move in, it's really that focus on the cancer statistics that the fire service has been uh, dealing with over the last 10 years or so, uh, really treating our, our, our members coming back from fires or medical emergencies, getting them into a decontamination corridor, 
and keeping the contaminants from the instance we go to uh, from the majority of the, the rest of the working spaces of the fire station. So as they, as they return uh, the apparatus floor, they move into that corridor, uh, get, the, get things that need to be cleaned, clean, and then get themselves in the showers and get themselves cleaned. And then as you move into kind of the working and living spaces of the station, uh, we do uh, we'd have plans for a fitness center at the new station. We've got uh, workout rooms in all of our fire stations, and uh, daily workouts are an expectation, not an option. Um, and then there's certainly, you know, kitchen and, and dining room space, uh, living quarters and, and things like that, as well as offices and training rooms and, and whatnot. Uh, not too many ping pong tables around, but, uh, you know, certainly I think uh, p- people are uh, looking for ways to keep themselves occupied, whether it's working at a computer station on their degree or certainly kind of just, you know, a little break in the workplace. If, if they had a ping pong table, I'd encourage them to use it. So Yeah, I'm trying to think of what kind of extracurricular activity would also be beneficial to being a better fire fireman, you know, or firewoman. Uh, ping pong, I don't know. The the motions of ping pong, probably <laughs> not the greatest. Of holding a fire hose, I don't know. <laughs> pool, yeah. pool we either. We try to avoid full contact sports. You know, t- football probably wouldn't be good. Um, I, I think, you know, I'd you can drive by a fire station, you might see a few basketball hoops out behind them, and we look for things that aren't necessarily going to get our people uh, line of duty injured, but where they can go out and get a good sweat on you know, and, and have a little fun during the workday. Um, 24 hours, and, and sometimes that's even 48 hours as people get held over and, and, and have to work additional shifts. You know, that's a, that's a pretty long stint, and, and getting outside for you know 30 minutes and uh, burning off some energy and, and get some exercise, I think that's healthy on a lot of levels for the organization. And the worst would be, like, you play a a really tough game of basketball, and then right when you're kind of wrapping up, a fire call comes in, and you're all tired. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're really terming firefighters as industrial athletes these days. Uh, you look at the output of a firefighter at a working structure fire. Um, our, our people are in uh, relatively good shape, and I don't think a, uh, a little game of uh, basketball is really, you know, put them in too bad a shape. They're able to get on the rigs real quick and uh, get out the door and uh, go do their job. Sounds like you guys are just playing horse, that's all. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, when you mentioned like uh, workouts are kind of mandatory, do you have do you have like a personal trainer or somebody that comes in and kind of sets sets up an agenda for everyone to to, to maintain a, a workout agenda? <laughs> sure. So we've uh, we've mandated uh, just actually here recently we've got a very physically uh, active crew, and actually our union approached us about mandated physical fitness time during the day. Uh, we carved out some dedicated hours for that, and that's where I said it's, it's now an expectation uh, all the way up to the fire chief that we're actually documenting our workout times. Um, so, so the crews in the fire stations, um, they're getting their workouts in. Uh, COVID has certainly put some uh, some uh, challenges to group workouts and things, but we're doing our best to separate and uh, and be safe but also stay physically fit to, to do the job that we need to do. Um, but uh, everybody's working out on each shift, and... Uh, you know, these, these new facilities that we're designing, as you look at our old facilities, there's like one shower and you'll have a fire station with, you know, five or six people. We got a line of people waiting to get cleaned up versus having, uh, you know, a shower per two or three people so that you can kind of rotate through a little bit quicker and get everybody on to the next uh, activity for the day. I thought that's where those calendars came in. You guys just fire hosed each other off and took pictures while you're doing it. No, nah, no calendars here that I know of. <laughs> Not yet. No, wait a couple a couple of years with the with the uh, personal trainer. Then maybe you guys can sell some calendars. I, maybe we do a competition like talk show host calendar versus firefighter <laughs> calendar. We'll see what the sales look like. As long as it's as long as it's going. as long as it's me versus you, because I don't I don't think uh, physically fit uh, <laughs> against physically fit firefighters. No, I think you got me beat. I think you got me beat. <laughs> 
Uh, what is it, volleyball? Aren't you volleyball? Yeah, but COVID has ended uh, pretty much all working out. And my dog is pretty old now, so we don't. our walks aren't as, as long as they used to be either. So, um, yeah. That's Fire Chief Ken Gilliam. He's going to stick with us for the second half of the show. But we got Scott's comment and, and Brad doing the news. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Lacrosse Fire Chief Ken Gilliam is on with us for the rest of, well, most of the hour anyway. Uh, Ken, I did get a text here. Not anything to do, but we were talking about movies a little bit. The stupid fun fact, he says, uh, of Home, of speaking of Home Alone, I made the gold tooth in Joe's mouth with Dr. Claudio Lovato when they filmed the movie. Worked at a dental lab in Glendale Heights, Illinois with the doc. <laughs> called in, said he needed a tooth for an actor to make him look more menacing. He said he didn't realize it would be for that movie. Because he quits shortly after. This is uh, this is Scott. I think he's Scott in the, in lacrosse here. So pretty interesting. We've got a lacrosse guy that made the the gold tooth that you know the dad picks up at the end of the movie. That that uh, no doubt that no. the uh, one of the, the the robbers has in their mouth. Uh, that's pretty funny. And I, I was thinking about it too. I, I had to add one to your top three list. Maybe it's top four. I think a Christmas story's got to get in there too. Oh yeah, the twenty four hours. How can you not reference the, the leg lamp? Yeah, I do have like I have a mini leg lamp. It's in my basement. It's plugged into the wall. I got one of those. I don't mini. doubt that. <laughs> Just the, not the full size one. So uh, nobody would see it anyway, except maybe the squirrels <laughs> and the deer from where I live. But uh, yeah, we, we were talking. We we mentioned COVID a little bit, and I, I think the last time it's been a while since we have you had you on. I think elections kind of just mind warped everybody and. Uh, you know, we were trying to do this thing at the end of the every month, and then I think we skipped a couple of months there. But um, in the last time you were on, I forgot to ask you about COVID, and and people kind of get sick of this, but I, I think it's I think it's still interesting. Is you at one point you were living what I like to call the bunker in City Hall, and I, I, and you probably have like a a little CRT tiny VCR slash TV in there where you can watch movies. And you got bags of chips everywhere, and you sleep on a couch in City Hall. That's how I picture it. But you were for a while actually uh, working out of an office, you know, socially distanced in City Hall, right? Yeah, and, and uh, I wish it was that good, but it's not. I, I've upgraded to a, kind of a large closet now at City Hall. Um, one of the one of the impacts of COVID uh, when we initially started back in March, we spread some of our to uh, the two high schools and the lacrosse center. Uh, we've got those rigs back in the station, but um, our medical director described our bunk rooms as micro cruise ships uh, when we were assessing things and really the proximity of, of people to each other. Um, so what we did was we had to move some of the, both the bunk spaces as well as some desks and office spaces. Our, our stations are so tight uh, because we've got more people in them than what they were originally designed for, you know, 60 and 80 years ago. Uh, we had to clear some space out, so uh, we split bunk rooms and some extra office spaces into some of the administrative offices. Uh, a few of the administration moved down into some vacated spaces at City Hall. So um, I, I still try to get out to the stations and make rounds of the city. At the same time, we're doing a lot of video conferencing and, and really keeping the top end of our administrative staff on the fire department out of the same room together is, is one of our strategies to you know not have all of us go down at the same time with uh, COVID-19. So... Uh, we, we've spread out as best we can, and then the crews have just been doing a great job. Um, you know, the, the stations are pretty squeaky clean, and they're decontaminating all the time and really looking at that, that flow as they're going out on incidents. Um, we're, we're getting flagged with people that have COVID right up front. I think uh, 
as we know, we ha- we're having these known exposures. They're coming back and really trying to isolate and decontaminate and, and make sure they're keeping their coworkers and our station safe. So it's definitely had some negative impacts, but I think we're doing everything we can right now to just mitigate it. And uh, as the vaccines come out, hopefully uh, things will get back to normal here in a few months and we can get back to uh Get back to the way it was, hopefully. Yeah, as you have you, you, you kind of spread out. So you made little mini crews, right? You just had a different, like, there's going to be, I don't know if it's a group of five, you guys are working together, you guys are working together. Have you had, like, a whole crew go down with the virus where you're just like, oop, and they're out because they're all got to, they all have a have a close contact now because one of them tested positive? No, knock on wood. Uh, we've, we've certainly had uh, members of the fire department come down uh, COVID positive and gone off for, you know, the recuperation period and the, the 10 to 14 day quarantines and all that. Um, I, I think a testament to our crews wearing, uh, nobody likes wearing a mask. And if you think about it from our folks, they're working together for 24 hours. They're, they're on the rigs wearing masks. They're in the stations wearing masks. We're really isolating and trying to separate. We've had individuals in the stations get sick, but we haven't seen that, that ping pong effect of, or that ripple effect of additional people in that station getting sick. The heebie-jeebie factor kicks in, and after a few days, everybody's wanting to get tested. But knock on wood, to this point, uh, we haven't seen some of the impacts that other fire departments around the country are having, where like 30% of their staff are in quarantine or anything. So, so you guys aren't, to, uh, you're not just wearing... People for taking it serious and you know doing it right. So you're not just wearing your helmets with the shields on the whole time? I figure that'd be the easiest. You're used to it anyway. Nah, <laughs> we're, we're masked up. I think, uh, you know, it, it's... It's all about just good hygiene, washing your hands, not touching your face, wearing a mask. And, you know, we're not going to stop the spread, but we're certainly trying to slow the spread. And uh, we've, we've just stressed that with our companies, and they've taken it serious. I think they know they're out, you know, protecting the public, and they're, they're clearly being exposed to it every day. Uh, the, the numbers that we have had have been fortunately limited, and I think it's, again, testament to that they're taking it serious and taking full precautions. We're, sp- we're speaking with Lacrosse Fire Chief Ken Gilliam. Uh, Breaking down a little bit of everything, but we we talked about the North Side Fire Station. That one's the eighty year old building, right? Yep. And there's some there's some weird things, right? There's there's I don't know if you do you have female firefighters at this point. We do. Yeah, we've got uh, four female firefighters. Okay, because you said you have. Uh, do you have a ninety seven person roster? Uh, correct. Ninety seven sworn. Four of those are female. Okay, but that that North Side Fire Station. I think right there's there's like not a a female. There's a with a unisex essentially locker room in there or something, right? Yeah, all all of the stations essentially. There's you know one bathroom on the floor. If if four people off of an engine company come back and need to get cleaned up after an incident, one's a female, three are males. One or the other is getting locked out of the bathroom. And you know if, if somebody forgets to throw a lock, it becomes kind of that fire chief's risk management nightmare of just people walking in and seeing things they don't necessarily want to see. So uh, we've, we've taken measures to make sure we've got locks and signage, and um, we're doing what we can. But, you know, it's just in and of itself, even with the amount of, if it was a fully staffed station with, with just one sex, men or women, there's not enough bathrooms to do the things we need to do as far as decontaminating after incidents. So right. It's kind of twofold, but the privacy issues are certainly a, a, a great issue of concern of mine. And then another thing with that Northside Fire Station, I think people maybe it's maybe a little complicated, but you could simplify it. The, the, the truck pulls in and 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 it's in its exhaust or whatever. Isn't there some kind of exhaust cancer issue too with the ventilation with that that building at least, or maybe all the buildings? 
Yeah, we resolved that back in 2018. Uh, Mayor Cabot and Council uh, found money for us, and we got the exhaust extraction systems and all the fire stations. So when the rig starts up, is the most dangerous time, kind of that initial belch of the uh, diesel fumes. Those trucks are connected to uh, exhaust hoses that are uh, magnetically clipped to the exhaust outputs on the truck. Fans kick on as the tones go off in the station. It starts sucking. The trucks turn on, and that, that diesel exhaust is extracted outside of the building. Um, as the rigs pull out, that, that uh, hose mechanism slides to the truck and breaks off as the truck gets out the door. As the truck gets back, um, a member of the crew will hop out and hook that hose on before the truck breaks the threshold in the station and the fans are on when the door opens. So it's, it's not 100%, but it's probably you know, 98 99% effective in reducing that, that uh, known carcinogen of diesel exhaust in the fire station. So lacrosse firefighters just went 78 years with that exhaust in there then, huh? Yeah, as you, you know, as you look at the stations, and um, very common across the fire service, you know, the, the apparatus uh, ceiling, the apparatus floor ceilings are gray. You know, they, they could have been painted white back in the day, but they're, they're definitely gray. And as you get into the working areas, you can see where that diesel exhaust would come up through the pole holes or other openings in the stations. So uh, new, new station design is certainly positive pressuring the workspaces and, and trying to keep, keep what we can outside of those areas and keep the diesel exhaust moving out to the outdoor air. All right, so you, you want to remodel at least two fire stations. You want to rebuild the Northside Fire Station, and right? Is that right? Yeah, no, we are. We're uh, by the spring, we'll be starting to remodel a station, one at Fifth and Market, just to take care of some of the bathroom and the, the locker room issues we're having there. Uh, that's to buy that station about five to ten years of life while we focus on some other higher priorities. Uh, station 4 was fully funded as of uh, this year. Uh, COVID set us back on timelines a little bit, but we're... Uh, Property acquisition's done, and like I said, we'll be breaking ground probably late spring, and uh, we'll be seeing a new station construction constructed up there on Gillette Street uh, throughout 2021. Okay, I'm I'm working towards something here, but you want to so you're doing those, and then you know down the road at some point there's talk of a public safety building uh, right right down the right in downtown essentially on Market Street, I believe, um, and that would be like a police fire command center. I think I think the price tag was you know somewhere around twenty thirty million somewhere around there. Um, but the, so the, the lacrosse police department got some federal funding for body cams. And it, as long as they met half the requirements, half the payment, the feds are going to pay half. And, and then the lacrosse police and they're going to team up with other departments around the area and, and pay the other half. And, and they're going to do that partially through. I think there's some private donor that's going to help through the lacrosse community foundation. Is there a thing that the, the fire department is, is there any, anything in the works where you guys could set up some, some way to fund some of these things, uh, you know, through private donations or get something through the, the community foundation so that, you know, anyone can help out the fire department with these upgrades? Yeah, certainly. So at the front end of it, if there's some benevolent donor out there that's trying to decide what to do with the money, uh, especially in the millions of dollar range, um, give me a call. And uh, we, the fire department can certainly route in donations to a dedicated project like a fire station. Um, that being said, I mean, we, we get as little as a, uh, Ten dollar thank you checks donated, and, and we try to route those towards uh, fire department priorities and uh, accept those. You know, we're, we graciously accept those donations, and ultimately they keep us from having to uh, hit the taxpayer budget for things that we otherwise couldn't afford. Um, some of our strategies on the same issue is we've we've actively been researching like public private partnerships. Uh, I've been dealing with a lot of the different uh, larger companies and developers in town, just looking at what's going on around town. Where, where could we build where we could potentially, you know, build a fire station, but stack tax revenue above it 
and take what's traditionally a tax-exempt structure and, um, and, and get some value out of it for the city, where that value would almost pay for the project itself. Uh, we've got a number of people that are interested in that concept. Unfortunately, the pandemic has kind of slowed the economy, and it, it's kind of paused some of those discussions. But I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic they'll come back. And then certainly I think um, we've been working on at least design and evaluation of all the structures. I, I'm hopeful with uh, as the, uh, as the uh, politicians change and things start to happen next year, I think we're all kind of privately praying that some stimulus money pushes down. And if there's, uh, if there's any emphasis on getting the construction trades working and shovel-ready projects, the Crossfire Department's got a couple of them sitting in the shoot ready to go if we can get some uh, grant money or emphasis funding towards that. Yeah. Um, the one thing you brought up was the public safety compound. Uh, we know that we need a fire station somewhere between where our one at Fifth and Market is and just a little south on Jackson Street is that kind of in that general region. Um, the police department also has a space study needs done where, you know, they're bursting at the seams as well and it really antiquated structure there. Um, so the discussion was could we merge police and fire admin and, and the, the whole police department with the fire station? Chief Kudron and I are both uh, in favor of that if it would work out. That being said, it's a pretty big project, and it's, you know, it's probably quite a few years down the road, but we're at least talking and, and looking for potential opportunities for that to uh, become available. Yeah, and, and then you could put out the uh, the penny jars at all the businesses to, to donate to the to this project, right? I mean, you could just do that. <laughs> yeah, I had suggested like a, a five-cent donation on every beer sold during Oktoberfest or something, but then we canceled Oktoberfest. So I keep trying to think of ideas to grab you know, pocket change and get these stations built, but uh it's it's been a tough year for us all. So. Yeah, I think if we but, did uh, every beer sold during, I think the entire city's apparatus would be the, everything would be funded if we did that. <laughs> yeah, maybe, um, maybe next year. Yeah, and then so, you know, is is the the Kmart thing what you're talking about when you're trying to do private public? Is is the Kmart thing? Is that is that because everyone's like, what are we doing with this Kmart? And we have like three shop co's around town that aren't doing anything. Is it a man a matter of buying that building from whoever whomever owns that? Well, I think it's a matter of partnering. So it's uh, it's not extremely common, but there are some great success stories um, where you look at Madison, their uh, fire station downtown where their administration's at. Um, it's got 14 stories of, of apartments built on top of it. Um, different parts of the country, they, uh, Chapel Hill up in Toronto and Canada, they, uh, they did a fire station with the battered women and children shelter built above the fire department. Um, so there's just been some, some fantastic stories uh, the, the fears that people are worried that the fire stations are loud or it's going to be disruptive, the, the people that actually end up living above the fire stations um, actually end up liking it. The, the feedback is very positive, and it, it's not the impact that you think it is. So we try to be good neighbors, and um, there's just some great stories out there. So if there are developers that are looking for that type of opportunity, you know, certainly give me a jingle and uh, we can chat a little bit. Uh, we know in generality where we want fire stations that are on the city, um, it's just finding people that have other projects going on at the same time. Kmart certainly won. Uh, the shop co on the south end is at the far end of uh, the tippy top of how far we wanted our southern station someday. But it's certainly a big piece of property, and, and I've talked to the owners of that group as well, and they, they certainly know we're interested if something ever shakes down there. Yeah, I mean, and I know Jessica Olson with the city council proposed having uh, like a combined, you talk about police and fire com, com, combination building, and you talk about the north side being a community center, but also like maybe maybe some kind of homeless shelter. I, and the idea of like, oh, like, how am I going to sleep when the when a fire truck's leaving the station? I think it's, it's a lot like when you live right next to train tracks, that almost becomes comforting for you. Uh, although, I don't know, a truck blaring out of the garage, maybe not, but I think you would get used to it. 
Yeah, and, and you know, we don't turn the sirens on while we're out, and, you know, it's, it's not like that. Um, so those concerns are really easy to educate and resolve. Uh, to Councilmember Olson's suggestion about, you know, incorporating homeless uh, shelter on top of a fire station, I'm open to that. On the north side where we're building a station, basically in a residential neighborhood across the street from an elementary school, that one didn't feel good. But um, we've got some other locations in the city. Uh, if, if she and her cohorts on the council want to continue to talk about doing anything with fire stations, I'm happy to entertain those conversations. And uh, certainly if, if we can solve some other problem for the community and make things safer for people, uh, I can stack just about anything within reason on top or around the fire station if, if it works. Have we squashed my idea of having fire station slash lacrosse center? That's over. Yeah, that one, I, I would have loved to partner up with Art and get that done. Um, MVS, he's as far along as he is. It's, it's, the building is looking beautiful. Uh, you know, but as you draw a circle around that station, half of it's underwater. Just logistically, it wasn't a good centralized location for our call volume. Perfect for the dive unit, though. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Ken, thanks a lot for joining us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Rick, always a pleasure. Have a, have a safe holiday season. Merry Christmas. Take yeah, care. you too. All right, that was Fire Chief Ken Gilliam. we got to take one more break. We'll be back to wrap up after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just wrap it up here. Seven days away from Christmas. Christmas Eve coming up. That's the last show I'll do. And then not going to have a show on Christmas. Just just a programming note a week ahead of time. Dr. Anthony Tregoski from UW Lacrosse, I believe, is going to join us. Bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh, election stuff. I think uh, I think we're going to talk movies a little bit. Not maybe Christmas movies, but I, there's some movie news I want to get to with Tregoski. Just to uh, just to talk nonsense, we got to talk a little bit of nonsense. Uh, but that's going to do it. I appreciate everyone for listening. Thanks a lot again for Ken Gilliam for joining. Oh, and Monday I think I'm going to have another mayoral candidate on. So look forward to that. All right, we'll be back tomorrow.